Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now, driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Yeah, pretty pretty surreal moment for me. I mean, I couldn't have dreamed um, for a better start to my test career. So um, it'll take a few days for that to sink in for me personally. But um, yeah, it was really cool just to have um, Henry Nichols at the at the um, non-strikers in really cheering cheering me on and saying congratulations. And then looking up at the balcony with everyone cheering, it was pretty special moment and um, yeah very grateful that that's how it went today that was New Zealand test cricket debutant Devon Conway speaking after he made a century on debut at Lords overnight I'm Andrew Mensel and welcome to Cricket Daily I'm joined by Paul Dennett it's a dog toy free zone today Paul <laughs> and uh, you've uh, we've got some cricket to talk about we sure do and uh, it's just wonderful to see Lovely sunny day at Lords. Michael Vaughan tweeted out, "Where else in the world would you want to be?" And he was one hundred percent right. Uh, it's just great to see crowds back. Uh, it wasn't a full crowd, of course; they've got limited capacity. But yeah, I would have given a lot to be there. And um, I, I thought it was a pretty good day's cricket in terms of the high quality from both teams. Um, quick summary of the play: New Zealand decided to include Mitchell Santner in their side, so they had a spinner. England excluded their spinner; they didn't go in with um, with Jack Leach. Uh, Jeremy Coney, former New Zealand captain, made the point that there's only been three wickets taken um, by spin out of 132 this year at um, at Lords. So that's fair enough, I suppose. Um, New Zealand 
finished with three for 246, a grinding sort of day. The pitch was a bit slow. That's the only thing that I would probably criticise the day for, that if the pitch had been a bit faster, I think the run rate would have been a bit higher. And England, who toiled away pretty well all day, might have got a little bit more, um, have had a little bit more success. Ollie Robinson was the pick of the bowlers on on, on debut. Um, he's a, a really tall guy. He's had a lot of success in the county championship. Pitches it up. Uh, picked up a couple of wickets, but the real star was um, the man that we heard from at the start, Devin Conway, 136 not out. I don't know where he's been. He averages uh, almost 48 in first-class cricket. Um, he probably should have been in the side earlier. And I think that a stat that makes it pretty interesting is that if you take his side, his um, contribution out, the strike rate that the rest of the batsmen went was at 39.7. He went at 56.7. It's because of his innings that New Zealand are in such a strong position. According to uh, Crick Info, from, from here on in, there are 63% chance of winning a draw, 30%, and England, 7%. So a wonderful first day for New Zealand. Yeah, and what a start for Devon Conway. And it's a great story, qualifying for New Zealand out of South Africa. You would have heard that in the accent. And he did so well in his debut in white ball cricket against Australia in, in the recent T20 series. He looked ready for international cricket and got to his century with a, a glorious flick over the onside and into the boundary. Paul, I would say the game's still, though, delicately poised. That run rate does leave a slight opportunity for England. If they start well, then they can uh, force their way back into the contest. Absolutely. We've seen it before. Uh, Broad and Anderson, if they do, uh, I don't think they got things wrong. I I think it was just that New Zealand applied themselves well on um, a wicket that didn't offer an enormous amount. Um, But, yeah, Nichols, 46, not out of 149 balls. He's worked very hard. If the, the England quicks get it online and get a little bit of assistance first thing on day two, then, as you said, New Zealand didn't punish them, so England could get back into the game uh, pretty quickly. But you'd, you'd much rather be in New Zealand's position right here. One other disappointing thing, and I don't like to harp on about this, but 86 overs were bowled. I mean, if you're not going to get 90 overs in um, with the extra half hour on this day where only three wickets fell, there's only one review, 12 overs of spin from Joe Root, um, I sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but gosh, you know, they've got to improve the overrates a little bit. Yep, here, here. The day was slightly overshadowed by news emerging about the debutante for England, Ollie Robinson. Had a good day on the field, taking two wickets in his first on his first day as a test cricketer, but historic tweets have emerged that he sent in in 2012 and 2013. The tweets were racist and sexist. They were awful and unpleasant. And Robinson uh, faced the media after play, and this is what he said. On the biggest day of my career so far, I'm embarrassed by the racist and sexist tweets that I posted over eight years ago, which have today become public. I want to make it clear that I'm not racist and I'm not sexist. I deeply regret my actions, and I am ashamed of making such remarks. The ECB Chief Executive Tom Harrison said, I do not have the words to express how disappointed I am that an England England men's player has chosen to write tweets of this nature, however long ago that might they might have been. Quite um quite disturbing, Paul. Yeah, and um I, I think that Nasser Hussain summed it up for me. He had two quotes that I might just give that I I think sum up the situation well. He said it's just not good enough. It's just not on. I've read the tweets. I've seen the tweets. They are horrible. They are not right. And you should never say those sort of things, whether you're 18 or 28. But he also said, but I also think we're probably a bit of a cruel society if we don't realize that an 18-year-old does make mistakes and he has made mistakes and he's got it horribly wrong. 
and I, I agree with those words from Nasser Hussain. I think that um, he's apologised. Uh, he shouldn't have sent the tweets. Um, but I, I think that, that that, by and large, hopefully will be the end of the end of the matter. I don't think he deserves much more punishment. It's, he's, um, he's had a pretty uh, torrid day of it. And um, I, I think we should move on from, from, from here. He shouldn't have sent them. Um, the, the only other thing, I, I thought that he's a, it was good that he apologised, but his apology was so well worded. It was clearly not written by him. I mean, another point in it, he said, I don't want something ha- that happened eight years ago to diminish the efforts of my teammates in the ECB as they continue to build meaningful action with their comprehensive initiatives and efforts, which I fully endorse and support. That's not something that a cricket player <laughs> tends to sort of say, um, you know, naturally. It would have been nicer, I think, if he'd just gone up and, and looked down the microphone and said it without reading it. But that's a that's a small thing. So, yeah, a, a very disappointing um, moment in the day. Yeah, a similar situation unfolded in the 2018 Major League Baseball All-Star Game when a, a pitcher named Josh Ader was pitching in the All-Star Game. So a great moment for him, similar to Ollie Robinson making his test debut. And uh, historic tweets were released of him um, that were of, the similar, of a similar nature. And I, I think we're going to see more of this, not less, that um, people are holding back these sort of things and then waiting till it's a big moment in someone's career and releasing them. So, yeah, I, I just think maybe perhaps education around the way young people use social media will have to be increased after, after of what we've seen. A spare thought for the other Ollie Robinson who plays for Kent and is a, also a professional cricketer in England. Um, he has the same name as the Ollie Robinson we've been referencing and he has the same birthday and they both play <laughs> professional cricket in England. So he was Uh, forced to release this statement. Unfortunately, today people have been getting me confused with the other Ollie Robinson. We both both share the same name, birthday, and play the same game. However, I'm not the one that has been getting referenced today in the media with regards to historic social media posts. And, Paul, recently I was watching a county game quite late (laughs) in the evening, Sydney time, and Sussex was playing Kent, and there was an Ollie Robinson bowling to another Ollie Robinson. I thought I was hearing things, but... (laughs) I clearly wasn't. So, yeah, look, very unfortunate situation and um, I think best that um, we move on. Yeah, and um, we can move on to an interesting game of cricket that probably flew under the radar a bit. but um, uh, Not me. I was watching on YouTube. Well, well done. Well done, Minners. It's um, Netherlands versus Ireland. Um, it's a one-day international and it's in the, the, um, the ICC Cricket Super League. So this um, is for uh, potential qualification for the 2023 World Cup. And as a cracking game, Netherlands um, ended up making 195. They were struggling. They were seven for 102. Uh, Tim van der Hooden came out and scored 49 from 53 balls. He hit four sixes, the only four sixes that were hit in the, hit in the entire day. Uh, so he got they got up to 195. Ireland then collapsed, three for 11 and then five for 69. Uh, then they moved on, got up to five for 135. Paul Sterling and Simi Singh looked like they were going to win the game for them. But Van der Gooden wanted to make sure that um, there was no doubt who was the man of the match. He came on, got Sterling out for 69. Even then, they only needed 19 from 24 with four wickets in hand, but fell apart for Ireland right at the end. They needed two to tie off the last ball, only got a bye. So Netherlands get a famous victory in Utrecht. And if you look at the table, um, they are now above Zimbabwe, South Africa, Ireland and Sri Lanka on the uh, qualification for the 2023 World Cup table because they've played one and they've won one. And um, they're currently in ninth position. So they're one spot out from actually qualifying from the World Cup. A lot of games to be played till, till that occurs. But uh, a great result for the Netherlands. Um, 
you'll be disappointed to know, man, as I went online and checked every single article from the Netherlands' two biggest newspapers, De Telegraaf and Alleman Dayblatt, and there was not a single reference to the game. So that's slightly disappointing. A terrific game, though, and the Irish batter, Josh Little, will be disappointed with his shot off the final ball. He tried to kind of work a ball from outside off stump down to fine leg, and, well, I think he should have just tried to hit it into the outfield. So that was a dot ball, as you said, and a great result for the Dutch and uh, dramatic scenes in Utrecht. Now, in in news um, in Australia, two big coaching appointments have been made in the Big Bash. Trevor Bayliss has been appointed coach of the Sydney Thunder men's team, replacing Shane Bond, who stepped down to, for family reasons earlier or, or later last year. And tra- uh, Trevor Bayliss has a, a sterling record of success, winning the Big Bash in 2010-11 with what are now going to be his crosstown rivals, the Sydney Sixers. Bayliss has also won two IPL titles, two Sheffield Shield titles, and, of course, the 2019 World Cup with England. That's a very good appointment for the Thunder. Definitely. And he's famous for being kind of the opposite to Justin Langer, the Australian coach, in so many ways that he's almost so laid back that you sometimes wonder if he's asleep watching the game. And he sort of approaches things from a, you know, more of a nurturing side. And I was always impressed with him when he was coach of England, sort of saying, uh, back yourself. If you jump down the wicket and try to hit it for six and miss and get stumped, you're not going to get a rocket for me because that's the way that you play. Uh, he said in this that he's never going to consider any international appointment again except for the Australian job. Um, he, he must be in the running at some point in the future to be the Australian national coach. Yeah, most certainly with Justin Langer's contract due to run out in a year, I would say Trevor Bayliss would have to be in strong contention for that role. In the other appointment in the Big Bash, former Australian bowling coach David Saker has been appointed head coach of the Melbourne Renegade for the next two seasons. He's coming in after the Renegades finished bottom of the table for the last two seasons following their maiden title the season before. Saker has previously coached the Renegades in the 2015-2016 season. And again, another good appointment, Paul. He brings a lot of international experience, and I think this is another boost for the comp. Hopefully, hopefully so. I mean, the Renegades have been very disappointing. Um, the second club in many ways from Australia's second biggest city, uh, the Big Bash is going to be a much stronger tournament if they are playing well. And our final headline for the day, David Warner has spoken on Sydney breakfast radio show Fitzy and Whipper and has described the COVID-19 scene he witnessed in India as terrifying and upsetting. He also outlined on the way to and from games they witnessed family members queuing up to cremate other family members. So, Paul, yeah, we're just starting to get the first trickles of um, reaction from the Australian players who were there in India, and I think we're going to hear more and more um, comments like this. Yeah, it's very sobering. Living here in Sydney, in Australia, we've been extremely um, fortunate uh, to, to not have any significant impacts, but you know, the world is still reeling from it. Uh, I'm getting vaccinated tomorrow. I encourage anybody, uh, everybody, get vaccinated at the earliest possible opportunity that you can. And to end this edition of Cricket Daily, I'd like to wish happy birthday to Wazim Akram, who turns 55 today. And Paul, when I interview cricketers from the late 80s and 90s and ask them who was the best bowler they faced, quite often the answer is Wazim Akram. 
think Alan Border gave me that answer. And I heard Phil Simmons talking on the Caribbean Cricket Podcast lately saying the same thing about Wazim Akram. So, yep, happy birthday to Wazim Akram. I was watching some highlights on YouTube the other day of his first ever tour to Australia, one of his first games, and he was carving up. And Rod Marsh, who was in commentary, said words to the effect of, this is the best bowler I have seen for many, many years. So it was, it was apparent right from the start that he was someone very special. So happy birthday, Wazim. You've been listening to Cricket Daily. I'm Andrew Mensel. I've been with Paul Dennett. And we'll be back tomorrow with another episode. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.